Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. All right, guys, uh, this morning we're going to continue our series um, of Extraordinary, and we're going to be in the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And in verse 446, it says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up, they said, come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. This is the gospel of Christ. Chad looks really good to have spent an entire week in a room full of teenage boys, doesn't he? It's probably because he deadlifts so much. What is it, 225? 275, just not in workouts. Okay, Uh, Johnny, can we make sure that makes it on the podcast? Um, Um, I, I'm really excited about the pool party, and I did just want to make this announcement that I make every year. Don't worry, I'm not swimming, because I do think it'd be very weird for you to see your pastor in a bathing suit. <laughs> so, don't, don't, don't worry, but everyone else should wear one. <laughs> Brad Hitch has a story about being forever scarred by a pastor in a bathing suit, so I'll let him tell you. Um, anyway, uh... <laughs> Let's start now. Let's start the podcast now. Okay. Uh, we're off the rails. Um, we are week three in a, a series that we're calling Extraordinary. And um, it's where we've been talking about uh, prayer and the extraordinary things that are possible uh, both through uh, in our prayers and also through our prayers. Chad said it super well the first It's sort of like a lecture and lab series where we're going to talk about prayer and then we're going to practice it together. And um, Chad said it super well uh, for the first week. Basically, our hope for the summer is that we would offer you something a little extra to add to what your ordinary uh, practices are, to take what you're already doing and maybe add a, something a little bit extra to it. Because what we see throughout the scriptures and throughout history is that big moves of God happen on the heels of, his, of extraordinary prayer and fasting from his people. And so that's what we've been talking about. Um, if you've missed the last couple of weeks, they, they are on the podcast and um and so uh, catch up with us. But um, if you have spent much time with us here at Springbrook, uh, try has become a very big word for us. 
Um, we just, we're just like all in on trying. Um, and so uh, here's what we mean. When we talk about trying, we're not talking about like earning something or striving towards something or trying to perform for God to get his favor. Uh, we actually don't even think that that's possible to do. Um, but what we talk about when we talk about trying is it's something that we do not to earn God's favor, but it's something that we get to do because we already exist within God's favor. Um, and so try is less about earning, and it's more about playing in the kingdom of God, uh, which we are all about. So every week, uh, we're going to have a new card for you. You have yellow cards in your seats. Um, with something to try in them. If you missed last week, don't worry. There might be some blue ones like in the aisles with you or they're on the info table in the back if you want to grab one. Um, uh, and, and, and so every week we're giving you what we call five minutes of try, something that you can do uh, all throughout the week that we can all do together. So uh, this week uh, we are going to talk about prayer as a means uh, or a way to hear from God. Uh, if you grew up in or around the church or you are someone who prays, uh, statistics tell us that this is a crazy statistic to me. Nine out of ten Americans claim to have a prayer practice. Isn't that crazy? Nine out of ten Americans say that they pray in some sort of way. Uh, and so my hunch is, nine out of ten of us statistically, a lot of us in this room do, um, and my hunch is that if you are a prayer, you're quite comfortable with the idea of prayer as a means to talk to God. Um, but I think sometimes uh, when we talk about prayer as a means to hear from God, it starts to get a little bit fuzzier. And we're like, oh, I don't know. I, I've never experienced that or I'm not sure about that or, um, or, or, or whatever the fuzziness is. But, but here at the Vineyard, uh, we really believe that God is still talking to people, that he is living and active in our world, that he's still talking to us, he's still interacting with us. And so we believe that prayer is not just a way that we talk to God, but it's also a way we hear from him. And so there are loads of ways, uh, but that does take some training, and there are loads of ways to train ourselves on how to hear from God, how to experience God uh, as we pray. Like anything else, the more you do it, the better uh, you get at it, or the more natural it starts to become. Uh, so one of the practices that has helped me uh, very much in learning how to hear from God is something called uh, imaginative prayer. That's really what we're going to do today. It's something we use a lot around here uh, in kids' ministry, uh, they do it a lot. Youth ministry, they do it on Sunday nights. They did it a bunch this last week at youth camp. So all the youth in the room, you are our uh, experts for today uh, in how to do this. Um, it, it is something that we, we love, something that we do a lot. So we're going to try it here together in just a few minutes. Uh, but before I jump into imaginative prayer, uh, I want to talk for just a minute about imagination. Um, I spent my week doing like a long, deep dive into imagination, uh, so I've had the best week of all time. I told someone, I was like, I feel like writing my sermon today was about Disney World somehow. Like it was just really fun and exciting um, to, to look at imagination because uh, imagination is incredibly powerful. It is so fascinating. It's so powerful. Uh, for example, for years, scientists have believed uh, that you know, most things that we do just use one part of our brain, but scientists have believed that imagination is one of the few things that uses like multiple parts of the brain, and they struggled to prove it, but uh, in the last few years, imaging has gotten a lot better than it was, and uh, so more recent studies uh, uh, in advanced imagery, it shows us that exact thing, that the imagination uses a huge amount of our brain. 
And that while it uses all these different parts, it creates this like interconnected network of activity between different areas of the brain. Twelve different regions of the brain are highlighted under imaging. Twelve different regions are highlighted when someone is asked to use their imagination, which means two things. One, uh, scans show us that imagination literally lights up our brain. Uh, you should go Google pictures of it. It's really fun. Um, but also, the second thing it means is that it also expands our minds. Because uh, by creating connections between different parts of, of the brain, there's this expansion, this networking that happens because of imagination. It is so powerful. Uh, I read another uh, study this week that showed that by imagining yourself doing something, that just imagining it, that it can deliver the mental and the physical benefits of the thing that you were imagining. For example, imagining yourself flexing a muscle, you can actually gain some, have some like physical strengths or, or physical gains from it, which is insane. And also my new favorite way of working out. Just... <laughs> Just thinking about working out. I don't, I don't know that I will be able to deadlift what Chad does, but we'll see. It's, a, it's an experiment we're going to try for the rest of the year. Um, our brains, they use imagination uh, to strengthen our real-life connections. Uh, for example, uh, do this. I promise I won't do anything weird. Close your eyes just for a second. And imagine someone, not someone in this room. Imagine someone that you love a lot. Uh, but also someone that loves you a lot. Someone you feel really safe with really at home with, really yourself with. Okay, do you, feel, do you feel a little more relaxed? You can open your eyes. Half of you started smiling. It was really cool. Like your body actually experienced, they're not even in this room and you're experiencing this. I won't make you do the same thing with someone you don't like. Uh, that makes you really anxious. I remember uh, one time being in Target and I, ha- I smelled the smell and then I ended up in the bathroom sobbing. And it was like, what happened? And, um, and there was this uh, person that I was in, it was, it was years and years and years ago, that I was in a really difficult relationship with. And um, someone else was wearing the perfume that this person wore, and I smelled the perfume and it leveled me, right? Our brains are so powerful. A little scary, <laughs> but so powerful. Uh, Albert Einstein said, uh, imagination is more important than knowledge, Albert Einstein. Imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited to what we know now, while imagination embraces the entire world and all there will ever be to know. That is a bold statement from a brilliant man. Uh, But I do think that brain science and imaging, to the best of my ability, are agreeing with him. Imagination, I don't know if it's more important than knowledge, but it's crucial for knowledge. Uh, but in imagination, it's not just crucial for um, or, or powerful for life and knowledge. I think it's also crucial and powerful uh, as a piece of our faith. Uh, C.S. Lewis, who uh, declares himself a rationalist, so this quote is for all of you left-brainers. Um, he says, reason is the natural organ of truth, but imagination is the organ of meaning. Meaning, imagination doesn't make something true, but it gives it uh, contention and, and meaning. Imagination puts skin on what we know. It increases and enhances and widens our access to and our experience with God. Uh, imagination, too, I think uh, sometimes imagination kind of gets put into kid world of make-believe, but it's so much more powerful than that. Imagination, to the very best of our knowledge, is a uniquely human experience. Uh, No scientist has ever proven that any other animal can imagine. Just us. 
to be able to create what was or to enhance what is or to dream about what hasn't yet come is a very, very human thing. And so it's not a stretch to me uh, to think that God would want access to this part of our human experience. And that as God accessed this part of our human experience, that it would be transformational. If imagination quite literally, scientifically expands our minds, why would we not also assume that it would deepen our experience of Jesus and that it would grow our faith in Jesus? Uh, When we look at the scriptures, they are filled uh, with things that require imagination, things like imagery and metaphor. Like the Bible uh, uses, uh, defines God and describes God very often using uh, pictures. Uh, In one chapter of Deuteronomy, uh, just one little section, like one little chapter in the whole book of Deuteronomy, he's called a rock, an eagle, a mother, and a father, all in like 10 verses. Uh, Psalm 18, he's a a rock, shield, and fortress. Psalm 84, God is the sun. Psalm 91, he's a mother bird with his wings uh, spread over us. Uh, In other psalms, and again in John 10, God is a shepherd. In Isaiah, uh, it's a potter. I could go on and on and on. It's it's the same for Jesus. Jesus, he gets called the bread of life and the light of the world and the lamb of God, a a vine, a gardener, more. The Holy Spirit, I, I think maybe there's even more. It's wind, breath, dove fire. Imagination is a tool that the Bible uh, dares us to use, maybe requires us to use in order to understand uh, written descriptions of God. But it's also important to our formation of our relationship with him. Imagination is, is a key tool that Jesus uses when he's teaching people. Jesus taught pretty much constantly in parables, which require imagination uh, to fill in, asking people, he, Jesus, he would ask people to imagine something in a way that grew their relationship with him, but also uh, grew them in their experience and knowledge of God and, and giving them access to the deep truths of the nature and character of God and also of his work in the kingdom. And in the years since, saints and theologians and prophets and leaders of our faith, they have talked often about the gift of Christian imagination. Or C.S. Lewis calls it the baptized imagination. I like that thing in my imagination getting like sprinkled or something. Um, Here's a few Christian thinkers. Here's quotes on them. Uh, John of the Cross, he says, the Christian imagination, John of the Cross is forever old, okay? Uh, Christian imagination plays a great role in the spiritual development of the soul. Uh, Teresa of Avila, she talks about how imagination can mark and transform our souls in a way that knowledge isn't able to do. Uh, Oswald Chambers, we we quoted him uh, last week. He says that the the best way to spiritually exhaust yourself is to starve your imagination. Uh, Johnny, I think I have a slide for this one. I want to read his quote. He says, if you, this is like his plea. I love this. If you have never used your imagination to put yourself before God, begin to do it now. Imagination is the greatest gift God has given us, and it ought to be devoted back to him. Uh, Eugene Peterson calls imagination indispensable in a life of faith. He says it is an essential tool to recover the goodness and the mystery of God in a broken and ruined world. Uh, And then last one, Richard Foster. I might have a slide for this one too. Uh, Richard Foster, who's like the king of spiritual disciplines uh, for our generation, uh, he says, using the imagination also brings emotions into the equation so that we welcome God with our mind and our heart. It is vitally important to understand the scripture intellectually, but if we have not felt it emotionally, then we have not fully understood it. These are big statements from big thinkers all across the board. 
It is not a new thought that imagination is essential and pivotal in our apprenticeship to Jesus. Uh, Data and knowledge, they can inform us. But it is our imaginations that take that information and turn it into transformation, which is what we're after. Imagination, it widens our minds. It makes room for the supernatural uh, work of the Spirit to do what Paul in Romans 12 calls uh, the transformation that happens from the renewal of our minds. So that brings me to imaginative prayer. Uh, What is it and how do we do it? it, there's some description on your card, uh, but I want to talk just a little bit about it. Imaginative, pr- imaginative prayer um, is a tool in our toolbox of spiritual formation. It is a good one. It is not the only one. Um, it's something you could do every day if it works for you. It's something you could do occasionally if you like it. Um, Larry Warner, who uh, literally wrote the book on uh, in, uh, um, uh, imaginative prayer that we're going to read from today. Uh, I think it's the book that Aaron uses in youth and... Um, Jordan uses it some, but he says that imaginative prayer, that his imaginative prayer practice is the thing that took him from someone who knew about the love of God and moved him to become someone who had personally experienced the love of God. And I am very interested in that transformation. Uh, Essentially what imaginative prayer is, is it's a way of engaging the stories of the scriptures in an experiential way. Uh, engaging them as if you experience them. It's, it's reading with imagination. It's putting yourself into the stories of Jesus in a way that allows you to experience things that you didn't actually experience, that you don't have actual memories of, but it, it, it allows you to experience them. Um, it's an ancient practice of spiritual formation. Um, I, we've done this before here, and uh, I've heard some feedback. Some people were critical of it, saying uh, that it was very new agey. And I was like, it's literally old agey. Um, in that imaginative prayer, like we have it in documents from the first generation after the apostles. I would also argue that parables are big practice in imaginative prayer. But even if that's not it, the first, like the first generation of early Christians uh, were using it. Um, Probably the biggest voice in uh, imaginative prayer is uh, uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola. Um, Ignatius, for him, imaginative prayer is what became uh, the transformative work in his life to to have him become a follower of Jesus. Uh, In the 1500s, Ignatius was in uh, the the Battle of Pamplona, and he got uh, hit in the leg with a cannonball, as you do. And um, while he's recovering, he's in the hospital recovering, and he would spend time in his recovery imagining himself uh, well and healed and back on the battlefield. Like, that's 1500s. That's way ahead of his time. Doctors today are like, imagine yourself better and you heal faster, right? Um, so he's doing that. Uh, but at the same time, there weren't a lot of books, uh, not a lot of book selection, and someone had given him a book about the lives of Christian saints. And at some point, his imagination started to shift. And so rather than imagining himself on the battlefield, he started to imagine himself living a life more like the saints that he was reading about. And what he found was that as he did that, he found himself filled with peace and joy and excitement of what his life could be like. And those imaginations, they became transformational in his mind and in his heart and in his life. And, and he, he starts following Jesus and he goes on to form something called the Society of Jesus or the Jesuits. And, and he goes on after that to write something called the Spiritual Disciplines, uh, which uh, it, it is something that continues to uh, be read and practiced today. 500 years later, people are having cannonball moments because of... Ignatius cannonball, cannonball moment. So uh, for Ignatius, the imagination was a place where spiritual truth could be accessed uh, in a way that was felt and embraced and, and could be absorbed into our guts. 
Essentially, imagination can take us from reading about a baby born in a manger or a blind man on the side of the road or a tax collector in a tree, uh, from, from just reading about those things to allow us uh, to sense the presence in these stories in a way that will lead to transformation. Uh, to be able to sense the, the embrace of God in these stories, the gaze of God in these stories. Uh, the point of imaginative prayer is not just to get quiet and think about your own thoughts about Jesus. Instead, the point is to cre- carve out and create space in your own brain and your own imagination uh, to experience and to relate with God, to hear from God. It's an invitation to an experience with Jesus, which is an okay thing for you to ask. I have this weird holdup, I guess from my childhood, that I think I somehow feel guilty to ask God to experience him. Like, I'm not supposed to do that. And if you feel that that way at all, let me set you free. You are allowed to ask God for an experience. I actually think he really likes that. I think he loves it. And so imaginative prayer becomes a a, a place to grow what the theologians call the prophetic voice. To be able to hear from and experience God. Okay, grab your cards. Um, there are instructions on how you can do this on your own. Uh, and then there are five stories for you to try this week. So uh, we're not even asking you to try seven days. We're giving you two vacation days on your imaginative prayer. But will you this week, will you try five days uh, to, to, to do this, to try this imaginative prayer? Um, essentially what you do is you read the scripture a couple of times. And then you begin to ask some questions to allow yourself to enter into the story. And you can do this with any story. Those are five. We pick. You can pick any, any five. Um, uh, and allow, you can do this on your own in silence. You can journal it. it you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work different for everybody. Here, here's how it works for me. The first thing I do is I read through the story. And then I set the scene in my mind. Where is this happening? Who's there? What does it sound like? What does it smell like? Uh, then I read through the, the story a second time and aunt trying to answer those questions. Who's there? What does it sound like? What does it smell like? And I allow my imagination to run wild a little bit. And then I just invite Jesus into it. I allow room for the Holy Spirit to enter into the space of the story. And then the third thing I do is I sit and I wait. And I just imagine it taking place. I allow the data and the information that I've just read and studied, uh, uh, the data and information that has happened all throughout my life of studying the Bible, I allow it to enter in, and then I make space in my imagination around those things. I imagine the speaker saying them. I, uh, 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 I imagine if Jesus is talking, I allow him to talk to me. I allow the scriptures in Jesus' voice to talk to me. And then finally, the last thing I do is I say, what is Jesus saying here? What does the Holy Spirit have for me here? For me, sometimes this is a chance to see myself as God sees me. Maybe the story exposes some place in me that is uh, disordered or unfree. Uh, Sometimes it is is just a chance to experience the love of God in a way that I really struggle to when things are busy and life is busy and uh, brutal. (laughs) So um, will you take five minutes, five days this week, and try it. Uh, honestly, it might take a little more than five minutes, but we promise you that we would try to keep it to five minutes every single week. So you can set a timer and end, but you might not want to. Um, okay, we're going to do it, but I have a few quick tips for you that I would want. So these are, these are my quick tips on imaginative prayer. First, if it feels weird to you, if you feel like this is all in my head, that's because it is. <laughs> it is all in your head. But just because it's all in your head doesn't make it untrue. It doesn't make it untrue. Okay, 
Second, uh, Jesus will not tell you anything that runs against the scriptures, right? He's never going to say anything that the scriptures don't already say. So, for example, if you are doing this and Jesus never uses shame in the Bible. He does not shame people ever. So if you're using this and you hear Jesus' voice shaming you, uh, that is not Jesus' voice, okay? And so if you hear something like that and you're like, oh, I don't know if this is Jesus, check it out. Read, see if that's true. Call your pastors, call your friends, check it out. Uh, If you're afraid you might not be hearing the voice of God, you might not be hearing the voice of God. It's okay to try, right? And so so just check it out if you think that. Third, some of you in this room are thinking, my br- this is nice, but my brain just doesn't work like this. If that's you, I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I love you, but science disagrees with you. <laughs> I thought I could appeal to you with science. <laughs> science disagrees with you. It may be harder for you to access some of this imagination stuff, but science tells us that we all have it. And it is accessible. We may have to work a little harder than other people. Um, I have been told more than once that I have an active imagination, and I don't think that was a compliment. Um, but, you know, you may have to work a little bit more. Uh, but I would argue that if, it feels, if this feels hard to you or unnatural to you, um, it might just be something you really need. Sometimes we have to work. We talked about this last week. Growth hurts, right? Grow, it literally hurts our joints. Uh, it may be something that you really need. Um, So, uh, science says that there are big physical and emotional benefits from imagining. Uh, Maybe your souls are thirsty for it. Okay, next tip. Um, How you do this will be as unique as you are. If you want to start with silence and end with silence, do it with the light on, do it with the light off. Light a candle, uh, have some sort of smell. If if the story takes place on the ocean, maybe you play ocean sounds. I don't know. It's as as different as you are, so have some fun with it. uh, And and do whatever you do, uh, just just make room for how imagination comes best to you. Uh, another one, sometimes I get really, this is my last tip, sometimes I get really hung up on uh, Jesus or whoever is in the story, what they look like. Uh, it's like, I don't know, like I'll picture something, John, do I have a picture? Yeah, I'll picture something like this for Jesus and then be like, oh, that's not, he's not white and I don't think he got highlights and I don't think he has a flame heart. I don't know if you can see that from there. Uh, in the original, I think this is a GIF, and in the original one, it's like this flashing flame heart. And I'll think these, and I'm like, that's not even what he looked like. And then I'm like, off, and then I don't even know what I'm doing. So uh, there's a guy named Greg Boyd who wrote an imaginative prayer book called Seeing is Believing, and he says this. He says, his eye color doesn't matter. It's his love and compassion and the care shown through those eyes that matters. His beard length is not as important as his tender smile and the words that come out of his mouth. Do not get hung up on what everyone looks like. Okay, those are my tips. Uh, we're going to try it together. Uh, this, we're going to do it a, a little different than what we have for you at home. I'm going I'm to read it to you um, out of this book. So here's what we'll do. We will um, take a couple breaths, and then I'm going to pray. And then we're just, I'm going to let you close your eyes. I swear to you, I will not do anything weird. I'm not going to make you raise your hand or anything like that. So it's a safe place to close your eyes. If that doesn't work for you, though, you can keep them open. Um, and I'm just going to read. And we're just going to put ourselves in the story that Chad read to us just a few minutes ago of Bartimaeus. Um, so uh, let's start. Close your eyes. Let's just take big, big, big. This just helps me. I don't know. Take a big, deep breath in. And big, deep breath out. One more in. And one more out. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. 
And I pray in these next few minutes, would you uh, give us quick access to our imaginations? I pray that... um, I pray that you would hear us that we are, we are here and we are asking to experience you. And we are asking to hear from you. And we believe that that's possible right now in this moment. And so we ask it to happen. So come Holy Spirit. Imagine yourself as a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road. You sit there alone, quietly, holding out a cup that silently asks for money, asks for help. Sitting in the same spot every day, you survive heat and you survive rain and dust. But even worse than enduring the weather conditions is the feeling of feeling invisible. People, they constantly walk by you. They walk by your spot. They usually don't notice that there's a human being there. Only occasionally do you hear the clink of a coin as it's dropped into the cup. Once in a great while, someone may offer a kind word or a touch, but it's very rare. More often, you're mistreated or teased or abused or, worst of all, ignored. Sometimes the money you've collected is stolen or scattered on the street, forcing you to scramble on your hands and knees to find what you so desperately need. Maybe you're wrapped in an old, thin blanket full of holes so that the cold air reaches your bare skin and keeps your muscles clenched and tight. Today, the air is quite cold. There's a strong breeze. But the sun's also shining. It's really quite beautiful outside. However, you can't see the beauty And the sun isn't offering much warmth. Maybe it's been a slow day, a quiet day on the road, not much foot traffic at all. When people do walk by, they do so really quickly because they're cold. No coins are in your cup. But off in the distance, you begin to hear voices. It sounds like lots of people are coming this way. In your mind, you pray, please let there be help for me in this crowd. May someone please give me what I need today. You hear the name Jesus in the crowd and your heart starts thumping loudly. Jesus is a name that you know. It's a well-known name, even to people who have to sit on the side of the road all day. You know Jesus as the healer. And from somewhere deep inside your desperate soul, a cry goes up, Jesus, help me. Please, Jesus, Help me. You get louder and louder. Jesus, help me. You yell and yell and seem unable to stop. A coin is dropped in your cup as someone hisses at you. Shut up. Stop yelling at Jesus. No, you cry, throwing down the cup. No, not money. I need Jesus. Jesus. Again, people tell you to quiet down and to stop making a scene. They tell you, don't bother the teacher. Stop being a nuisance. Sit quietly. Beg silently. But you won't be silenced. Suddenly, someone grabs your arm and says, come on, on your feet. He's calling you. 
you jump up excitedly and you throw your blanket on the crown and you half run, half walk into the middle of the crowd. People are making a path for you. The same ones who shushed you now guide you toward Jesus. Jesus, he reaches out and he grabs your worn and weathered hands. He gently holds them and he asks with great compassion in his voice, what do you want me to do for you? The crowd is silent as you try to answer. What do you want from Jesus? Look inside yourself. What, what do you want? What, what do you need? We're just going to spend a few minutes thinking about that question. What do you want me to do for you? As you answer the question, notice Jesus, his touch, his voice, his presence with you. How does he respond to your request? Verse 